Welcome to Kuden, the radio show and podcast for self-defense and martial arts news, interviews, techniques, and history. Hosted by Sheehan Jeffrey Miller and Shidoshi Eric White. Sheehan Miller is a 13th degree black belt and master instructor of Warrior Concepts International in Sunbury, Pennsylvania. Shidoshi Miller's martial arts career spans over 30 years and has taken him around the world to train with some of the world's best martial arts masters. Shidoshi Eric White has been a student of Sheehan Miller's for over a decade. Together, they will answer your questions, discuss techniques, history, and current issues important to you, the self-defense-minded citizen and the practicing martial artist. Submit your questions by email to warriorc at warrior-concepts-online.com. Okay. Hey, everyone. It's Shiroshi Miller. It is, uh, this is episode 67. Uh, so as we're uh, recording this, uh, today is September 7th of 2018. Just to give you a little time reference if you're listening to things, uh, if you're just binge listening or whatever, it is whatever day you're listening to. Uh, so anyway, uh, quick quick uh, update here. Uh, Mr. White, uh, Shiroshi White, may not uh, be on for a couple of bunch of uh, episodes. He is going through a life change. I don't mean he's becoming a woman or anything like that. I just mean that uh, he is actually uh, in a job searching process and maybe moving from the West Coast back over to the East Coast. Uh, still a couple of states away from me, but uh, he's uh, got to handle a bunch of things, plus still do the, the uh, management of the radio station that he uh, is currently in at the moment. So uh, we're going to give him a little bit of time. So that means over the next couple of uh, shows, I will probably be looking for uh, some guests who uh, uh, I've either one people that I've trained with uh, for a long time uh, and, and have their own uh, perspectives on things, or I don't know, we'll bring in Bozo the Clown. Or no, we won't do that. Anyway, uh, so uh, there'll be a little bit of a format change because at the moment I'm it. I'm the guy that's going to be doing. Um, you know, the information stuff and uh, the corny comedy things that he did as well that I kept him around for. Uh, so anyway, no. Uh, and often uh, he actually was instrumental in coming up with a lot of topics. So it's going to be really important over the next couple of shows for people to uh, send in questions, send in topic uh, requests, those kind of things. Uh, it's amazing how we think about training all the time. And we think about, you know, you know I wonder about and what if and, and those kind of things. And then you either get on something like this or you uh, go to the dojo and uh, the teacher says, okay, any questions, any topic requests, and there's silence, okay? Actually, <laughs> I just remembered this. Uh, Tuesday's class? Two, uh, no, Thursday's class, yesterday's class. Um, we were running a, a youth class, and uh, – for years, I've been I've been threatening students with the I'm tired of getting the deer in the headlight look, and uh, what it makes me feel like doing is getting like one of my voice recorders and just getting uh, the sound of chirping crickets. So when I get that look back from people, I can just hit play, and it would you know it, <laughs> it would be more authentic, right? Well. Last uh, last night during class, I'm doing this youth class, and I ask the students a question, right? Now, you have to understand, this is completely accidental, right? This was one of those kismet moments, right? But it was perfect, right? Um, I ask the students a question, 
and they all froze in place and stared at me, and out of the void comes the sound of chirping crickets, right? And I'm, I look over at the at the parent area, right? And I'm, I'm wondering who one who left their cell phone on because we have a no cell phone or muted cell phone uh, rule in the dojo, so as to not interrupt classes. And I know a teacher having strict rules in their classes. Anyway, uh, so I point at one parent. I'm like, "Was that you? Was that you?" You know? And these two parents just point, and I couldn't see because my assistant was in the way, and I had him shift. And here, one of the little sisters of one of the kids in class, right, she can't be more than, like, three years old, was sitting there, mom had given her cell phone, or whatever she was doing, and I don't know if she was playing a game or something came in, but it was her, and there was this sound of chirping crickets. It was perfect. I couldn't have planned it better myself. I wish it was on video. Just we put that on the blooper reel and play it during the Christmas party and stuff. It was just, I was, it was perfect. Anyway, so um, the, the the upside for folks on the podcast is this is all audio, and I don't have to see that deer in the headlight look, but uh, I have a training uh, suggestion for you. This is something that I started, it probably grew out of my law enforcement work, um, but I started way back in uh, 80, 81, something like that, and it wasn't that I started in the martial arts then. I started in the martial arts back in the in the 70s and, and found Ninja 2 uh, late 80, early 81. And anyway, but um, what I started doing, because I was in, heavily involved in, like, personal development work and and uh, I, was, I was trying to capture creative ideas because they're very, very instrumental in success. And, and uh, so what I started doing was I started carrying a really tiny uh, notebook. I don't know if you've seen these things but uh, often they're called a memo book or whatever. They're basically like a three-by-five uh, card in size, but they're spiral-bound at the top, and, you know, they hang down. There's about, I don't know, 80 to 100 sheets in it. It's lined paper. So I carry that and a pen, and that was my go-to place for anytime I'd have a flash idea, I'd have a question for teachers, I'd have um, uh, just all kinds of things, right? Uh, uh, topics that maybe I was reading something and uh, a word came up or a topic came up that I wanted to research further or whatever. Um, I, the, the notebook was in my back pocket. It was easy to just pull it out, jot that in there. And I know, I mean, it's even easier today where people have uh, uh, cell phones and, and all that. And you know what? I have one too. And I even have a special app on there that takes and categorizes uh, notes for me. And maybe it's just because I'm an old guy. But the thing that I reference the most for ideas is the old school notebook because it's real easy to overplay the thing uh, or like with the technology and you just stuff a bunch of stuff in there and then you never look at it. It's kind of like the bookmarks uh, section on your browser. Some people have never used it, but if you know what I'm talking about, typically on uh, Chrome or Firefox or Explorer, up in the upper right-hand corner below the uh, minimize, maximize um, uh, icon for making your screen full size or not, or uh, the little X for, you know, getting rid of a, the browser or, the, or a particular tab or whatever, right? Um, on, on the Chrome version I'm looking at now, it's just these three dots in a vertical line. But on, on other ones, it's, it's something different. When you click on that, right, you get an opportunity to save the page, at least the URL, to the page that you're on to your bookmarks so you can go back and reference it later. And I used to use that a lot when I was doing research. And then I just stopped because I realized that 
I had a bunch of crap in my bookmark section that I saved for later, but then never went back at, back and looked at it later because there wasn't a sensory cue for me. It wasn't in my face. And not that the notebook is in my face, and we're not going to make any jokes about this, but if it's in my rear pants pocket, um, I don't typically wear uh, uh, or carry a, a wallet or anything like that. So when I had this thing on me, right, and I switch back and forth between pockets and all that because I like to keep my senses honed and I don't want things to be passing through an area of your brain known as bocas region where it just filters out the same stuff that you experience all the time. It literally makes makes you more, uh, not more focused, more more like you have blinders on, right, to more and more things in your world because – they're the same things that you dealt with yesterday or the day before, you know, whatever. Okay. So anyway, but there's a tactile feeling to this. Okay. I can put my phone down and walk away from it. I can put my laptop or I can, you know, it's on a desk and I walk away from it or whatever. But this thing is 99.9% of the time it's on me, just like my clip knife, right? Because we're all warriors and warriors always carried swords and the swords of today are knives. And so uh, anyway, that's there as well. So these are the two things that I have with me all the time. So here's the thing, right? Instead of getting caught like that proverbial deer in the headlights and making me flash back to this class with these chirping crickets, uh, I highly suggest carrying something like this. And, again, if you want to do the, the, the technological kind of thing and put it on your phone or put it on an iPad or whatever, okay, all right? But writing is the active part of thinking, right? And it really does change things. And what I find is that the, the more I write down ideas, questions, thoughts, uh, ideas for books that I want to write or articles that I want to write or whatever, the more I have or the more I write down, the more I actually have. Okay? And that's really, really important if we're going to stay uh, mentally acute, right? That wasn't, a, that wasn't cute. It was acute, as in sharp, right? Uh, but carry this around. Uh, I did it because my teacher would always, when I went to seminars or classes, there was always a point or two or five or whatever during a class or a seminar where my teacher would say, okay, let's take some time for just, you know, questions and answers. Okay, uh, what, what kind of questions do you have, right? <laughs> I'd go, I'd stick a finger up in the air, like a one, one minute, one second kind of thing, and either run for the notebook because I'm in my gi now, or... Shidoshi Malmstrom, I've talked about him for a long, long time, right? We so believed in this idea and this tactic for making sure that you have your notebook close for taking notes during training and all that kind of stuff. He actually developed, and you can get them now for the, they developed them for the military. Um, he was one of the first people to, to develop a strap on notebook, basically a tactical notebook that we actually put strapped on so it was upside down, right? So when you undid it and you flipped it open, it flipped towards your foot so the notebook was right there. So you could literally take a knee with that thigh up, flip it up, take the note, close it back up again, and go right back to training, right? That was actually a part of many of our uniforms. Right? That way we didn't even have to run to the notebook. If we had an insight, a flash, they made a correction that was an aha moment, we could stop right there tell a partner, hold on one second, drop to a knee, flip it open, do this thing. Anyway, you don't have to have something like that, but um, you have this notebook. So what I would do is I put that finger up, uh, you know, the give me a second, give me a minute kind of thing, whip it open to the page with the questions for the teacher the next time I see him. That was that page, right? And I would start with number one. There's my question, right? Nobody else had questions? Uh, number two. 
Okay. Uh, one of the first things I was taught early in my training is be greedy. Okay. And I don't mean that you have to jump over the whole, you know, don't be greedy rules and all that kind of stuff that you got from mom and dad when you were little. Okay. All these things that are subtly causing you to make decisions and operate the way you do. Right. Um, but I, what I'm talking about is reframing yourself. Okay. And coming at this from a different perspective. Right. Mom and dad talked about not being greedy because they were simultaneously or simultaneously, depending on where you're from, uh, conveying the message of sharing, right, and compassion and empathy. And, and it, they were actually teaching you a tool for being able to make friends and being seen as uh, somebody who was helpful. And they may not have used the word leader, but like that, right, because leaders always make sure that people under their charge get to go first and are taken care of before they're taken care of. Okay, so I'm talking about a true leader as defined from an enlightened standpoint. This is actually a spot on the mandala. Um, I'm not talking about people that have a job title that identifies themselves as a leader, but they act just like everybody else. They watch the clock, all that. I'm, I'm talking about this kind of thing, right? But when we're talking about the, the being greedy here, we're talking about, uh, you know, establishing a priority that you will get this stuff and you will make yourself this better person you want to be. And you're doing it from a position or perspective of compassion, okay? And, again, we're going to have to realign our perspective because the lessons you've got and the conventional lessons of society is being greedy is bad, all right? But being greedy and making sure that you get the lessons and the skill sets and things like that that you want to that you want to have that you say you want to have and the abilities that you want to have to be able to produce the kind of results in the world that will actually make a difference. Not you know not just for you but in your family and with coworkers and and just strangers that you meet, right? Um, if you don't make a commitment to yourself to get these things, then you're really depriving the world of having access to uh, to somebody that can actually step in and help, right? And what you're doing is you're saying that it's okay for people to have the same kind of leaders that th their perception is, as a leader, I get to go first. Screw everybody else. As long as I get to go first, that's all that matters. And that really is the conventional belief system of uh, a lot of people who are in leadership positions, whether they're bosses or whatever it is, right? They just flat out believe that they get to go first. And a true leader, uh, there's this bodhisattva ideal in our Mikyo uh, study that uh, the, the bodhisattva has suspended their desire for enlightenment, and they have taken a vow to ensure that all other uh, uh, sentient beings will pass through the gates of enlightenment before they. They will be the last ones through. And that's, that's just the mindset of, of a, of a enlightened leader. Now, the irony is that the benefits that come back to you come back to you, you know, uh, tenfold because you've become seen as that person that other people will want to seek out because you make sure that they're taken care of and that they get what they need and whatever, right? So um, very important stuff. But anyway, um, the, the big deal here is, is in – and again, this is going to sound backwards, right? Being greedy and make sure, making sure that you get what you want. Now, it doesn't mean that you go stomping through your life and you, you know, trash your family and whatever, right? This is coming from the perspective that you need to get this taken care of as quickly as possible. 
Okay, this this is an idea from Armico, right? That you you get this done as quickly as possible because the longer you delay it, the longer you delay the change that's possible, right? The longer you delay the benefit that others will derive from being connected and associated with you. And I know how backwards it sounds. This is why um, the, the the study methods and the, and the way we act and stuff coming from this Mikio perspective. Um, is often termed as crazy wisdom because it just doesn't compute coming across from you know when it when it bangs up against the conventional reality, right? But if you think about this, that if you if you are focused and committed and I'm going to use the word again, greedy about taking the time and the effort and and whatever you need and that, that even if you have to make negotiations with people and whatever to have that time to do this, when you make yourself better, when you make yourself the best you that you can be. See, if we stop there, that sounds greedy. But if you do that, you simultaneously make yourself the best husband or wife that you can be, the best parent that you can be, the best, uh, you know, uh, child if your parents are still living. Uh, only one of mine is, right? But you can make your you become the best the best coworker or uh, employer or whatever it is as far as that relationship goes. You make yourself the best that you can be in that context, right? In this case, greedy is taking the time you need to become the person that your world needs. Okay, they get the best of you and not. The you that's like everybody else, okay? And if we were looking to be like everybody else, we certainly wouldn't be on, on this path. But anyway, uh, let me just go right back to the start point here. I highly recommend that uh, to help you not hit that, you know, deer in the headlight or chirping cricket moment, um, carry, carry a device or, or establish a system or something that when these little insights pop up or these questions pop up or whatever, You've got this little device, little notebook, or a note app in your cell phone, or whatever it is, where you can jot these things down. So the next time I, your teacher, another teacher, somebody asks you, and you're in the right realm, any questions? It's right there, within a couple of pages from the top, uh, in a specific app under a certain folder, uh, whatever, okay? Now, don't make it so complex, because I know there's some control freaks out there. Don't make it so complex that... Uh, you're going to need to spend five minutes looking for the question because the teacher may only be taking three to five minutes to answer quick questions, okay? So anyway, but I am going to rely on uh, my listeners over the next how many ever, uh, shows it takes, how many ever podcast episodes it takes uh, until Mr. Um, uh, until uh, Shoshi White gets back into the swing of things um, to help me out with this. Okay. Um, otherwise, what you're doing is you're saying, you know what, Sensei, whatever you want to teach on is cool with me. So what you're telling me is you're not really focused on and and working on anything specific. There's nothing that you're really trying to hone, and that can only come from one or two perspectives. Your training is either really lackadaisical, or your training is at a point where you think you got it all, and this is just kind of what a passing interest. I don't know. And if there is a different thing that I missed, uh, let me know what it is, okay? 
So take control of your training. Take control of where things are going. Okay? Don't just let things up to the teacher. Okay? I know a teacher that got tired of having to come up with things for his black belts. True story. I won't name names, but I name him quite often. Okay? He was doing some specialized training with the police department that he was uh, a member of at the time, and that training ran over that day. Okay, so he was doing basically swatter or cert team training. It's called different things in different places, but he was doing this this type of training. So he's in camo gear, camo face paint, the whole deal, right? He rushes out of training, throws his stuff in his car, right? He keeps his uh, training gear bag in the in the trunk, but either way, it's there. But on the way, he breaks his dietary rule, swings through a friggin' drive-through, right? Grabs some food so he can shove it in his face because he hasn't eaten until, like, an early lunch, right? And his class is at 7, 8 o'clock at night. So we're talking, we're way past lunchtime, right? So he's shoving the stuff in his face. He gets to the dojo. He gets changed into his into his gi, but he still has the camel face paint on, right? It's just he's trying to get there for students. He runs out on the floor. This is a black belt class. He runs out on the floor, and he says, okay, what are we working on? And he got that deer in the headlight, chirping cricket, look, for the last time. And he snapped. And I don't mean he snapped in a violent way. He said, that's it. I'm done. It is. It should be impossible for me to run into a black belt class and not have over half of you, not know where you are in your training, what you need to work on, what you need my help with to get better, but you're still acting like a white belt. You're expecting me to just show something, and you're going to be satisfied with whatever it is because you really don't have any kind of vision or focus. I'm done. And he closed down his school. Okay? So um, be careful. Be careful how you act because – one of the quickest ways to make a teacher go away is to either use the term, I know, in which case you don't need a teacher, or you're just making the teacher do all the work, which is vast backwards from the way it's supposed to be done. The teacher has already done the work to get to that level. They should be running around doing all the work to teach lessons and then find out that they're just wasting their breath. Okay? And I'm not saying that you know anybody in the group is doing this, but I'm just telling you that I'm going to need your help to do this, so help me out. And at the same time, help yourself out a whole lot um, and maybe pull off this old-school device and get your head moving, right? Ninja are thinkers. Ninja are people that are problem solvers. They're always, you know, there's always something that's going on. Uh, I don't mean they're control freaks or whatever. I mean that they, there's, that they're knowledge seekers, right? They're information gatherers, right? So, the question should always come up, no matter how good you think you are with a given technique. What's next? What's the next thing I can do with this? I can do this. What am I missing? Okay? So, anyway, there's that. Uh, you know, before I jump into the next topic, let me just search around here and see if anybody actually uh, jumped on as extra or uh, there's other questions popped in. But while that's there, uh, the folks that are on uh, – I'm running the risk of offending, but uh, did that make sense? 
right? I mean, is that something that, that makes sense and uh, it's usable and that wonderful stuff, right? Uh, yes, no, no, yes. All right. So, uh, dun, 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 dun. okay, Jason, I did see your question. I'll get to that in a minute. I'm going to, uh, Jason raised his hand here on the system. So, um, I just need to unmute you. There you are. Okay. Uh, yes, sir. Make sense, don't make sense, helpful, not helpful. Sensei, shut the hell up. I'm trying to interject Mr. White's humor along the way, but um, I'm not him, so I'm funny in different ways. No, yes, no. Okay, Jason, I just put you back on mute again. You can send me some other message. Okay, so uh, let me see what I have over here. Got a couple of folks over on the webcast side. Uh, yes, it makes sense. Totally makes sense. Uh, yes, yes, yeah, awesome. Okay, well, okay, fantastic. All right, thanks for patronizing me. I appreciate it. Thanks for playing the game. Next contestant. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, um, I got to keep this fun. Otherwise, uh, it just sounds like a whole bunch of dry preaching, and uh, I don't want to go in that direction. So, anyway, um, I I don't I, – I checked before class – or before class. Before uh, I, I fired up the podcast, and I didn't see any questions over on the webcast side uh, except from my guy, Josh. So I have that. I just need to get to those notes. I checked all the emails and resources. I'm going to double-check again to see if anything came in. Uh, if you're live on the webcast, you can always type in a question. Uh, I see that I, I just got another one, so I'll answer that one. Uh, what else do I have here? Do, 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 do. I don't see, I don't see any, any other ones at the moment. Okay, so let me do this. Since I got Josh's first, uh, actually, his actually came in, uh, a week or two ago and we missed it. So I'm going to jump on that one first. Let me get back over to my screen. See, I'm trying to be controller. I'm trying to be the show's producer. I'm trying to be me. I'm trying to be Mr. White. Oh, these, this multiple personality disorder is going to have me nuts here shortly. All right, so let's see. Do, 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 do. Look at my notes. <laughs> Jason has a sense of humor. <laughs> Who doesn't like dry preaching? Charlton. Ah, nice. <laughs> All right. <laughs> ah. I hope you laugh out loud and everybody where you're working just stares at you like you're just the biggest retard in the building. That's what I said. That's what I hope for at the moment. But that would be funny and that would be good. <laughs> that's awesome. Anyway, all right, let me get up to my notes. Uh, let's see, where did I put that? There it is. Okay, so uh, I trimmed this one back to pull out something specific from it. Uh, Josh is one of my guys here at the dojo and he – uh, often tosses in some really good questions. Um, he and a couple of other guys are, are really my, my question guys, uh, like Chris and, and uh, Carl and, and some people like that. Anyway, so uh, we were discussing a bunch of things uh, kind of in the process. You don't need to hear Josh's, you know, training background and all that. So I'm going to be filtering that out. As a matter of fact, I need to 
uh, trim that out so I don't inadvertently step on it. Okay, so I'm going to read uh, some of this, just kind of paraphrasing. Uh, he had a related question to something that we uh, were discussing on a different uh, podcast that uh, had to do with training and, and integration and things like that, right? So uh, his question is, one related question I was thinking of bringing up uh, is, um, is kind of, again, kind of lengthy. Uh, so anyway, we'll skip over that part. Uh, the, the question is, how best to integrate previous martial arts training into ninjutsu? especially when the previous teachings go against the way we're, quote-unquote, supposed to do it, at least in the beginning, okay? So uh, now he makes a reference to uh, class here. Uh, as you've noticed, there are a number of things, for better or worse, that I learned before that I've had to unlearn or at least temporarily do a different way in the interest of learning this art. Some are incidental and easily discarded. Others more deeply ingrained and difficult to change, okay? So uh, along with that and some background, uh, that's a long way of saying that I know that the Korean martial arts I originally trained in will always be my base, right? Though practicing aspects of those arts is uh, centering in a way, there are definitely elements that are also lacking. If they weren't, I obviously wouldn't have looked elsewhere. Uh, and who knows, maybe I would have even been more interested in going for a higher ranking, though to be honest, that's never been uh, a focus of mine. That's great, right? You should always be focused on skill proficiency, uh, and as I was introduced to the concept, the belt has always been, even from the time that uh, Jitaro Kano, uh, the founder of Judo, established the belt ranking system that, that's been used uh, for uh, school children that were going through this this uh, physical education program, right, called Judo, uh, it's never been for the student. Of course, the student feels all warm and fuzzy because they got an award, but the belt color is for the teacher to know what level at a glance the student is at so that they know at what level to discuss or describe or explain a technique, uh, you know, in, in that realm, right? So try to get over that as quickly as possible. One of the things I liked about this art as it was introduced way back in the early 80s uh, and what I liked about the way it was in Japan as well, and the, the systems were a little bit different, but it was still wrapped around just having minimal focus on the rank and maximizing focus on training. So, uh, you know, we're talking the same time period and probably in Japan even going further back, but I'll start with the Western side, right? In the Shadows of Ego organization that Stephen Hayes established when he first got back from Japan, right? And regardless of what you think of him, I'm just kind of explaining history, right? So what we had, actually, we trained in everything from um, – uh, the black SWAT type BDUs, right? The the military type uh, uh, training with Tobby, which now looking back looks kind of strange. But anyway, we had that stuff on, so we had the cargo pockets and everything. Uh, we had the, the camouflage version, or people wore black martial arts uniforms, right? So why allow for the urban stuff? Why allow for the law enforcement kind of stuff? Because he was trying to use as many thing as many elements as possible to differentiate. Ninjutsu from being seen as just another martial arts style in a sea of martial arts styles. And the, the, the way that works better at a glance for people before you even see techniques, because some techniques are going to look similar, that people come into my classes and go, wow, that looks very much like it's Aikido. Wow, that one looks very much like it's Judo. Wow, that one, okay, but they're not, right? It's just the way somebody filters. So one of the things that we did was 
we had a different way of dressing, right? You could wear a martial arts uniform, but you could also wear these other things because that wasn't the important thing, right? What was important was getting the damn lessons, okay? But the belt system was uber, uber simplified. We had a white belt for beginners, okay? They were in the MUQ level. MUQ means uh, lacking class or lacking rank. That sounds really funny in English, right? These were the no-class people. Anyway, uh, that's what MUQ means, right? Without class, without rank, uh, not rank, without, uh, yeah, Q means class, right? Uh, Don means level. So you have classes uh, up to Shodan. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So uh, we had white for beginners. We had a green belt that ran all the nine Qs all the way between white belt and Shodan. So your belt never changed. Your rank did, but your belt never changed, okay? And, yes, I know, in the Bujinkan, there are these, you know, rank patches. Your Bujin patch changes, but that changes at incremental points, and I'll talk about the star system they used to use and all that. But we had that, and we had black belt for showdown and above, okay? And for those people who were wearing the uh, camouflage or tactical uh, BDUs, they could wear a military-style web belt, because you can get white, OD green, and black, right? White is usually used for uh, uh, for drill and ceremony and, and that kind of thing. Uh, OD green is is standard, uh, and then there were black ones that were developed for the tactical BDUs. You could wear those, or you could wear a conventional martial arts rank belt. Didn't matter. What mattered, again, was the training, right? In Japan, way back in the day, if you were a beginner, you were a white karate or a white judo gi with a white belt, okay? So we understand white belt, beginner. Yeah, no, white belt matches the uniform. You still had a bujin patch, okay? The patches were developed to show whether you were in the Q levels, the Don levels, or the mastery levels, okay? And then there were these stars that you were given to show where you were in that level. So. I don't even think that the guys in white uniforms wore a bujin patch. They just wore a white karate or judo uniform with a white belt. It was simple. Once you graduated from that to ninth Q, right, ninth uh, class, the first intermediate level, then you wore the black uniform, ready for this, with a black belt. Why a black belt? Because it matched the uniform. Your rank was not around your waist. It was the bujin patch and stars that signified which Q level. So the, the patch itself was the first level in that phase of training. So if you had that patch and one star, you were the next Q level up from that base. Okay, so getting the, the red background, white bujin, and white circle, the Q level patch, that was, uh, what was that? Ninth Q, ninth Q. Okay? So having one star is now 8th Q, two stars is 7th Q, three stars is 6th Q. You get the idea, right? Same thing. You get the Shodan. Oh, everything that was white on the Q level patch is now black, the, the kanji and the, the ring around it. That's now black. So you have black and red patch. Okay? You put that on, that's first degree black belt. That plus a star is second degree. That plus another star is third degree. You get the idea, right? So, but you're wearing a black, a black belt. Okay? And, again, I've been around for a long time. I have articles from Hatsumi Sensei dating all the way back to, like, 1980, 81. 
that he wrote in Japanese, were translated and then disseminated to students, um, first here in the West under Hayes, and then just around the world in these different uh, scrolls and newsletters that he put out. But he, he has described these things, okay? So the, 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 the focus was just never on, wasn't on the, the, the belt. It wasn't on the rank, right? That was minimized. But it was in a, it was in such an it was in an obvious place that the teacher looking across the room and looking at a very specific spot on your uniform, whether it be the belt as it trans transitioned from there or that pack system, they know exactly where you were, what you should have learned by that point, what minimum skill level you should have, and how to describe the technique to you at that level to fix it or above that level for the next step. Simple, okay. But anyway, all right. So. Uh, bump, bump, bump. Some of these things have been easily addressed. For example, I was always looking for a martial art that was all-encompassing and a way of life rather than just an athletic pursuit. I never really found that prior to ninjutsu, uh, though that has always seemed like less of a stylistic issue and more of what the teacher was interested in and how, she, how he or she lived life. Going back and doing the Korean style katas feels very odd since I know since I now find them very rigid and tank-like, but that's not a huge deal since I never really like doing forms anyway. All right, fair enough. So, uh, but here's the thing, right? But there are other things that I do want to find a way to incorporate, such as some of the movements and defensive-offensive fighting techniques that work for me. At least in the context of previous training, the taijutsu of those styles, I suppose. However, some of these are at odds with the taijutsu of ninjutsu. Do you think it's a matter of putting the, those things aside for a time until I get to a certain proficiency with Ninjutsu, then deciding whether to fold some of them back in or just keeping them separate. Obviously, it would depend on the particular technique and so forth, but that's the general question I've been grappling with for some time. Now, in full transparency, uh, I already gave Josh a little bit of an answer to this, and this was uh, from some time ago. Uh, this was just something I thought was a really important topic, so um, I pulled it forward and wanted to give it um, a, a better shake, okay? So I have two answers for this. One is, yes, put it on hold because you're already proficient with those other things. There's nothing wrong with pulling those things out, dusting them off every once in a while, and practicing with them. But to integrate these movements in to muscle memory, muscle memory has to be worked enough that that happens. You have to give yourself the time. And it's already been shown scientifically that it takes 50 to 100 hours depending on the person, but minimum 50 hours, um, 50 to 100 hours of consistent practice, okay, consistent practice, uh, and what that means is at least two to three times a week. With any given skill set, I don't just mean like any rolling in any direction, right? I mean with a forward roll, with a side roll, with a back roll, with a counter strike, going to Ichimonji, that kind of thing for you to achieve automatic response. That means, that's something I'm gonna cover at a, on a different, uh, in a different show, but um, that means that you can uh, train the flinch response so that the flinch response coming, to, coming from your body is actually really close. It's gonna be rough around the edges, but it's really close to this stuff that we're doing. It doesn't become something else when somebody hits you with a surprise attack and you crap yourself while you're trying to move. Because if you don't train the flinch response, 
they found that even people who are experts in a field, right, self-defense, some kind of martial arts style or whatever, will not just flee or fight. Remember, it's not just fight or flight like we were taught a long time ago. It's fight, flight, or freeze. They found that without the proper training and consistent training to work the brain uh, uh, neural network, right, to, to build those new synaptic ne uh, uh, nets, right, and we translate that into simple terminology, getting it into muscle memory, um, if they haven't done that, no matter how great they can do it, on the dojo floor, entertaining people, whatever, um, they are very likely to freeze or the flinch response will look like everybody else's, okay? So you have to give yourself time with that. And especially in the foundational levels, I highly suggest that. Now, my suggestion for when you fold it back is going to be, this isn't even my original idea. This was started way, way back in my early days of my training because I was in the same boat, right? I, I had tons of martial arts training in uh, Aikido, in uh, two forms of Jiu-Jitsu, in Jeet Kune Do, in Kempo uh, uh, Karate, in uh, Taekwondo, in uh, one form of Kung Fu. I mean, I was I was literally chasing this art without knowing what this was called. Okay? Just for the same reason that people jumped on the, the whole uh, mixed martial arts idea, right? Because they saw Nidusu as a joke, right? It was, it's just a bunch of ninja and kid stuff, or it's not really real. And so what they try to do is jam all these other arts together like they actually had unifying principles. So anyway, uh, so I was in the same boat there, too. I was looking for a martial art and a, and, and a system that was an all-in-one thing but didn't find it. That's why I kept jumping around. And I found the same thing as well, that um, I, I bypassed several arts and, that I could have stuck with that I would have probably found I don't know, 70 to 80% of what I was looking for, but it was the way the teacher presented it. So then that disqualified, at least at that time in my life, that disqualified the art itself, right? So anyway, so the other thing is uh, remember that a huge part of Ninjutsu, right, as I would say it's the crux, right, it's the, it's the, it's the center point of, of Ninjutsu is this stealth and subtlety, right, that if he can see it, if he can see exactly what you're doing, um, it's not needed to, right? So what the hell does that have to do with folding another martial art into it? Well, if you're really, really good at another style, why not lead with that style from the perspective of, of, of Kijutsu Tadenkan, lead with that style as the smoke screen. You're already really good at it, and somebody who's really good and knows what they're looking at Right? I mean, th yes, that's big and that's obvious and it's not stealthy at all, but that's the point. They're going to pin you as a certain type of defender, a certain type of fighter, and you're going to move a certain way. You might even throw a couple of kicks or punches or whatever you're doing um, to, to really sew up that, that reality, right, to really create that story that you want them to buy. And then when they come in on you, you switch. You do what you're intending to do, and they'll never see it because that that obvious picture that they developed their plan for will dissolve in the transition between when they started the attack and when they got there. They'll never see the transition, right? So you could use that as the smoke screen, okay? You could use that also as the deterrent, 
right? If you need to deter somebody that you're pretty sure that in the heart they're pretty weak, you can tell because you just lock on with the eyes. And if they keep breaking eye contact, right, you already have them 60%, 70% beat because now their heart's not in it. Their heart may need to be in it because their friends are watching or they have an egocentric need to have bragging rights and all that, and they can't be seen as somebody who lost, but they already stuck their mouth into it, and now backing out would be bad for them, right? For those kind of people, why not take up that fighting stance? Why not throw a couple of shots um, that maybe don't even land, right? But they make a show of force, okay? So with this kind of tactic, you're not using ninja two. Well, you are, okay, but I'll explain that in a minute. You're using this other arch as a show of force, not as a stealth mechanism, okay? So that shuts this guy down, right? He goes away, great. If he has that vendetta or revenge streak and decides to come back and fight you the next time, and you're doing it completely differently, you're, you're using this, this, I hate the word style, but you're using this one, right, this approach, he's going to be even more off balance this time around because he went away, he thought about what you did, he planned an entire defense around that. As a matter of fact, an entire attack model around that and came back in the heat of vengeance and it now is completely different. Okay? It's kind of like every year when we do the haunted house at my dojo, right? We For a couple of days, we convert the entire thing over and we do such a good job that students that have been in the dojo for a long time um, literally get disoriented and don't know where they are at any given point. Then they find where they are, and the next thing you know, they get disoriented again. That's not the point. The point is because most of the other places around the area that do haunted houses set things up almost identical every year, right, we don't. And the reason we don't is because we want people to come back and have just as much of a fun experience as they had next year, and you can't do that if they're having recognition, right? That that diminishes the impact, okay? Just like if he recognized my style, it's going to diminish his concern about what I'm throwing because he already he's already dealt with it before. So, and the way we know that this is that this is working is the guy at the door who's taking the tickets. So they buy the tickets outside. They come to the door. Uh, somebody knocks, you know, and the ticket taker, who's also an actor, right? Before he ever opens the door, you can hear these people outside, and there's a high percentage of them where the friend who's been convinced to come is talking to the guy who was there last year, and he's like. Okay, so you've been here before, right? So you know what's what's going on, right? Because you know, right? Yeah, 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 man, I got this. No problem. When you go in, like, this is going to be here, and that's going to be over here. Man, I got you. It's okay. I'll tell you what's coming next. You'll be fine, right? Then we open the door. They step inside, and the guy that was there last year goes, oh, shit. What do you mean, oh, shit? They changed it. What do you mean they changed it? You, Man, I'm a – so that is just – that's psychology, right? So, but you're you're killing two birds with one stone. Can you see where this is ninja to, right? In low-key situations where you don't need a 2,000-year-old secret system, 
of moving stealthily or whatever. You don't need to give away your secrets. If this guy's easily shut down or deterred for the moment, uh, at least for the moment, by a show of force, why make the show of force the thing that you want to keep secret? Be somebody else. Show these other skills. That's one way to fold this in. The other way to fold this in is to look at, don't change the kick that you got really good at, right? But what I call ninjanize it, right? Under what context would you need that, right? So you learned it, but we're not going to approach it the same way. An example of that is, is a technique, uh, is a, one of these uh, axe, uh, like heel kicks. That's kind of an axe kind of thing. You, you send it out as a side kick, and then you hook your heel back and catch somebody, that kind of thing, right? Um, it's called different things in different styles, but that's not an official kick in, in ninjutsu, right? It's not, right? But if I'm throwing a front stomp kick and he evades and I need to bail out, a quick way to do that is to pivot on my base foot so I turn away from him while simultaneously hook kicking into whatever I can snag. What that does is creates a very quick thing from an unconventional angle using something that you're much better at than even I am, and I've been doing it for a bunch of years, right? You can throw this thing, and it creates a, a moment where that, that becomes a bailout, where in the style you learned it, it was an aggressive, offensive, fighting skill. It's technique, right? But in this case, same technique, same kick, same skill, right? It's used as a bailout when your kick misses because no matter how good you are, you always have to train for the possibility of your technique failing, right? If you're training like this is all, you're, you're going to be indestructible and invincible, then you are in fantasy land. It just doesn't work that way. Okay, but that's that's another way. That's just it's just two quick, or I guess three quick ways for me to um, to answer this question. So let me get back to my screen over here. And while I'm doing that, uh, was that helpful for anybody? I don't know if Josh is on at the moment. He often uh, he's helping folks during the day with his with his real job, right? It's only part time ninja. So uh, was this uh, this make sense? Was it helpful? Uh, did that I don't know, was that helpful to anybody else? Is there anybody else that um, has prior martial arts uh, uh, experience, and you're really good at that stuff, uh, but maybe you've had this question or you didn't have this question, but you found that, oh, well. So um, anybody else? Uh, yeah, so I'll stop talking so you can answer. So if you're on the webcast, you know you got to type that stuff in. I've got to give you 18 to 20 seconds to even hear my voice before you can type stuff in, so I'm filling the void here. Um, if you are live on the call, you can speak up. Uh, I should probably unmute that. So, hey, it looks like Rob is on. Is that, oh, that must be my Rob. Ooh, what was that? That was a Rob, I bet. Are you sending Morse code? Or not, all right. So let's see, who else is on here? I have Rob, I have Jason, but Jason, you're on simultaneously on the other side too. So let's uh, get back over there. I've got to jump around on the screen here. So uh, this should have been enough time. 
right. I don't see any responses to that. So um, either I put you to sleep or you're not sure where to go with that. So um, I'll check back on this in, in a few minutes, and I'll move on to the next one. Okay, so uh, I don't have a name for this one uh, to go along with this one, and that's fine. This one, let's see. Dun, 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 dun. How do you question a new instructor's legitimacy without being disrespectful while still requesting proof of their prior training? And though I'm not currently one of your students, I'm totally game for tossing ideas and asking questions. Uh, I'm confused about the last part. You don't have to be one of my students to toss questions to. You can ask all you want. Um, that's why I do this kudan thing. It's, it's open to anybody. So let me, let me read this again. How do you question a new instructor's legitimacy without being disrespectful while still requesting proof of their prior training? Really good question. And this actually starts to cross over into uh, a realm of ninja training. As a matter of fact, you know what? I, I thought about this while I was describing the last little bit, and um, this, this bears uh, repeating. It's actually something that uh, I taught as uh, the lesson for my long-distance training guys uh, that are in my Friday training group. I just need to find the right uh, chapter here. I, I was referencing one of Hatsumi Sensei's books, uh, and in one of the chapters, he uh, – I know what it is, chapter 8. There we go. Um, he outlined the rules of the ninja. Okay? On Tuesday, this is uh, – for my long-distance guys, uh, just like in our, in our dojo curriculum – we have a lesson plan, and each week has a given uh, theme and a focus for students at, at their respective levels and all that. So uh, for my long-distance guys, week one is uh, used for lessons for philosophy, history, that kind of thing, right? And so we've got to mute that. Hold on one, one second. That's just not – that's not going to work. Okay. All right, so uh, – the Tuesday class, we covered the uh, what's called the Ninja Master's Admonitions, which were penned by Toda Sensei, one of Takamasa Sensei's uh, original three teachers, back in 1891. And so we looked at these five uh, things, and today we went through these ten rules uh, of the ninja, uh, probably pulled from the Togakure school. I don't know for sure because he didn't cite it, uh, but I'm betting based on some of the cues and clues that I got but let me just find the right rule because I don't I don't have these things memorized in the right order. Um, let's see. Do, 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 do. One rule, not that one. <laughs> okay, so here's here's the thing. Rule number ten is ninja must carry out the assigned training. Okay, so this is where I thought it was from the Togakure school because he specifically cites there are 18 areas of training. That is specifically Togakure school in Kumogakure school and in uh, the Gyokushin school, the layout's a little bit different, so they don't, they don't have that. So if you ever hear about the 18 uh, training areas of the, of the ninja, we're referencing uh, something that's laid out in the Togakure school. So anyway, he goes on to say there are 18 areas of training. Spiritual development, koshi jutsu, kopo jutsu, sword handling, stick and staff handling, blade throwing, the use of chain and sickle, spears and halberds, uh, horsemanship, swimming, uh, meteorology and physiography, or uh, like uh, what do you call them? geography, 
that kind of thing, right? Uh, the ninja is expected to train intensively. This means that one must persevere in his pursuit of his training. The life of a ninja is simple and a regular one in which he trains in all of these 18 skills day in and day out and abides by the other rules of the ninja. So I'll, I'll stop there, but um, what we're talking about here is that there's an opportunity for training in many of these skills every day. And if you understand that the, 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 the training areas he just listed, a lot of those things, remember, they were, they were laid out during a time when the technology was different, world was different, the culture was different and all that. And so sword would be replaced with blade work. You know, a lot of things can stay the same as they are, but horsemanship might become training with uh, cars and other types of vehicles, that kind of thing, right? But um, there's the uh, Henso Jutsu disguise and impersonation. There's the information gathering skills, all that wonderful stuff, right? So here's the thing, right? Wanting to ver uh, validate a, an instructor's uh, credentials and, and have proof that this guy actually knows what he's talking about is, is great, right? Um, not always easy, but it's, it's, it's a good start, and everybody should do that, okay? Um, so my first suggestion would be, uh, and this comes from the personal development and the personal clarity side. So training area number one in the ninja's 18 areas is Seishin Teki Kyoyo, right, which can be translated as spiritual, uh, spiritual clarity. It can be translated as personal development. Uh, there's a bunch of different ways to come at this, okay? Uh, is to be really, really clear about what your purpose is for the training, right, what you want to get out of the training. Students that come to me have to understand that while I have all the historical stuff and all that, we put that stuff into context and we do train with it, but it's always on an air of being able to handle a 21st century attacker in today's world, right? Throwing attacks like they're going to throw in the area where I live or typically generally in the Western world, that kind of thing, right? Um, do, we, do we still do the training with the 13th to 16th century? Of course, right? but it's always on an air of being able to use it in that context. Now that's very different from somebody who just wants to learn the art from that traditional perspective, or just wants to learn the art as Hatsumi Sensei is teaching it today, or whatever, right? In which case, your criteria are gonna, your criteria are gonna be missing a couple of elements, or the elements are gonna be different than they would be on somebody who wants to make sure that the teacher they're learning from didn't just make something up or just didn't throw a bunch of variations together, maybe one of their criteria is, have you ever had to use this stuff against somebody? Like this stuff, for real, without changing it, without mixing it with tic-tac-toe or whatever. Okay? That might be one of their criteria. So the first thing is uh, make sure that you're clear about what, what the outcome is. That way you can, you can spot uh, bullshit when it pops up in class, okay? Or you can question certain techniques from that perspective. And again, if all you want to do is learn the art in whatever context, because you want to learn the art, then that's not a, that's not a major thing, right? The, the thing that you need to know is, does he have the right teaching credentials or whatever? Um, and I'll, I'll mention something about that here at the end, which isn't invalidating this at all, right? But it is putting into context, right? So, that being the first one, then the second one is in uh, you know it's it's fairly simple in today's world. 
to send an email or a, uh, you have to have the phone number or whatever or a text or an actual written letter. I know, old school, right? Um, and if you're communicating with Hatsumi Sensei or the Hombu Dojo Central Office in Japan, you have to send a letter. And you can find that address online. It's not difficult, right? Um, I used to, you know, I used to have to tell students, look, do your research, go to this book, that book, whatever, or I'd write it out for them, whatever. Now I can use those two magical words, Google it, right? Uh, but you can just send a letter to somebody. Do you know this person? Uh, can you be my go-between to Japan to check to see if they're actually a licensed teacher, if they actually have their black belt, that kind of thing? Um, you can send, you know, emails to a couple of different instructors. Have you ever heard of this guy? Do you know him? Uh, but the other way to do this, which is really, and again, that's using information gathering techniques, but another way to take this farther, or further, sorry, further, is to uh, employ the psychological aspect of the training, right? And just in your passing conversations, you know, oh, wow, that's really, that's really cool. You're, you're white right? Oh, that's cool, right? How long have you been training? Okay. Great. Instead of talking about yourself and what you want or letting them talk about how great it will be once you get into training and all that wonderful stuff, because we don't even approach it like that, okay? I want to know what they want to get out of it. So I use the Sento Jutsu and the, uh, the information gathering stuff all the time. I'm literally spying on a new prospect that comes in to understand their motivations and what they want to get out of things and matching that up to their mannerisms and everything. I, I don't talk about the art a whole lot. They'll learn it as they go, but what I want to do, what I want to know is, does their motivation and what they want to get out of the training, does it match what we offer? I'm not here to talk anybody into doing anything that doesn't give them the results they're looking for. So if they come in here and they want to be the next MMA champion, I send them to Barbarian Combat Systems in the next town over. Yes, we have one that's exactly named that way. If you know the name Tim Bosch, that's his school. Okay. He has he's been in, uh, you know, uh, what do you call them, UFC fights and all that kind of stuff. I don't know what his record is. I don't care, right? But so you can do the same thing. You can gather information by just these little side questions. In, in neuro-linguistic programming, in LP, they're called locator questions, okay? So you just, you know, in passing and, and validate it all the time. Oh, that's cool, right? Make a mental, a mental note later on. Jot it down. That way you've got some information, right? Um, so who did you train with? Or, like, have you trained in Japan? That kind of thing, right? And they'll usually tell you who their teacher is. I mean, anybody that's not uh, blowing smoke up your butt should be very transparent and forthcoming with things, right? So if you ever had to use this stuff on the street kind of thing, right? Um, I was a police officer for seven years doing both uniformed and undercover uh, stuff, and I did undercover black market and drug suppression, right? How do I know that? Well, Let's see. There are online yearbooks for military things. Uh, I can point you in certain directions. If you had the wherewithal to get a hold of my uh, uh, military record, uh, some of the stuff, and see, here's the tricky part that I was mentioning earlier. Some of the stuff is in there. Some is not. Some is in there because it was, um, it, it was not, it was below the top secret level that where I was operating, and some was above it. So it's not in the general record that is for public dissemination. It's just not, it's not going to happen, right? Some of the stuff is there because 
the administrative people in the clerk's office were attentive and did their freaking job. And there are other things that are not because those people were not. So, um, but, and sometimes to validate the proof and all that is you give them some time, right? Jump into some classes and, you know, if it makes sense, great. If it doesn't make sense based on your, um, you know, your experience or gut level <clears throat> uh, intuition, question the techniques, okay? That, that's not computing with me. Um, I'm, I'm not getting that. How does that work against somebody who's throwing a hook punch? Because, you know, if, if you're just jumping in and they're doing these classical 16th century ski, right, these piercing kind of things, where does that come from, right? That doesn't even look like a normal punch, right? How, how am I going to be dealing – how am I going to be able to use this stuff to defend against the guy who's going to throw three hooks or three jabs and a right cross when all we ever do in class is defend, use the techniques against somebody who's uh, throwing a – uh, you know, one of these long-range kind of things. And they might demonstrate a couple of uh, ways that it will work, and, it, you know, it, it settles with you. That's great. You might take something like I with this format. Some people just send flat-out send me emails. This is a technique we worked on in class. Here's And they might send video, too. Here's what, here's what we did, you know, whatever. What's your take on this, right? Um, I'm not getting it, right? In, in the medical world, that's called getting a second opinion. So my point is, Sometimes it's easy to validate. Sometimes you just, you know, it, it's not, uh, but you can test it. The cool thing about things today, in today's world, is you can give it a shot for a little while, right? And uh, we live in a society where you're not putting too much risk into it, too much skin in the game, and you can always bail, right? In ancient Japan, everybody in the dojo walked around with a sword. So if you screwed up or if they didn't know what they were talking about, they died really quickly, and people were always challenging schools, right? Um, I never get challenged. I always hear the, as a matter of fact, it just happened the other day on our on our uh, dojo uh, thread, right? We're promoting a, a sword, a basic sword course, right? And somebody posted that uh, either me or one of my guys got choked out way back in the 90s uh, at some seminar, and it happened so fast and whatever uh, that the rest of the students from our school uh, just left, right? And uh, so my guy's trying to handle this. Like, we don't even go to things like this, right? But, uh, and I haven't even responded because my response would be, I don't know what the hell you're talking about because Warrior Concepts wasn't founded until October of 2004. So, one, your date's way off, and two, it didn't happen. But through the rumor mill through all the martial arts schools in the area, I have had my ass kicked so many times that um, I shouldn't even have a school. And I would just like to have been there once when it happened because I, I, I'd like to share in the awe that everybody else seems to be telling stories about. Anyway, that being said, uh, you know, you do your best you can, but, you know, you, there's a whole network of people out there. You can send out a, an email. You can post on a forum. Uh, you can send a letter all the way to Japan. Right? Just checking on this person's validity, credentials, whatever. Uh, but the other thing, too, is, is just – be the ninja. Be the information gatherer. Ask questions. So uh, there's no name to it. I'm just going to ask uh, just generally. Was this helpful to the person who asked the question? Was this uh, helpful to anybody else? Uh, so, again, I, I've got to wait for answers to pop in. Uh, whoever's looking. Okay. Oh, okay. Is, is, is somebody
somebody on the call, but the uh, there's somebody live on the phone, but we're getting a ton of feedback, and that's just not going to uh, work with the recording. So uh, if you send a send an, uh, an email, if you're not on the website or webcast side of things, you can send an email to warriorc at warrior-concepts-online.com uh, and let me know what you thought or if you had any follow-up questions, and we can put that on as an addendum for an upcoming show. But uh, let me get back over here to my screen again. Oh, looking at the time here. We're going to get booted here pretty soon. So let's see. Helpful, yes, no. Um, where are we? Uh, bum, 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 bum. Sorry, we've got to scroll through all these comments. Let's see. Okay, so stating goals and having those more in-depth conversations and information gathering with an instructor and doing net research does make sense. Thank you. You're absolutely welcome. Uh, let's see. One more thing here. You mentioned needing help in questions. In the weeks to come, uh, so I was just tossing it out there that I'm willing to contribute. Absolutely, fantastic, right? So I'll give you an email address here at the end again that uh, anybody with questions or topics. Uh, first, first place that we look though is if you're on Facebook, uh, go to Facebook. Uh, if you're not already on it, go to um, the Kuden Podcast uh, page, right? There's another one that's out there that, that Kuden pops up for. I don't know what they are or what, what, what's going on, but it's Kuden Podcast. And that way you can post a, um, you can post a question. You can post it under one of these show results or whatever. As soon as you do that, uh, or you send a PM to the page or to that, that particular thing, uh, we'll get instant notification and then we can, uh, archive that for the next or for an upcoming show. Uh, so that'd be cool. Uh, you can also, uh, just shoot an email. But uh, one of the things, if you really want to be on, uh, you know, on track with getting notifications for when these things are going to be happening and on all that, uh, you can uh, subscribe to the pay. You can subscribe to uh, an elite uh, members list. And for that, you would go to moderninjawarrior.com forward slash uh, – Crap, now I forgot what it is. Kuden Podcast uh, episodes, I think. Hold on one second. I just need to jump over there. Kuden, uh, there we go. No, that's not it. Kuden Podcast. Sorry, talking to myself. Um, my problem is that I cleaned my directory. So, modern ninjawarrior.com. Kuden. Uh, Now it's me that's silent. All right, let's do it this way. Oh, there we go. It popped up. Holy crap, how'd that happen? There it is. Okay, so modernninjawarrior.com, all one string, okay, no dashes or anything. Uh, modernninjawarrior.com forward slash kuden dash podcast dash episodes. When you go there uh, and the page loads up, right, uh, there's a welcome to kuden. There's some things left and right and all that. Uh, oh, wow, I need to put the fall camp. Uh, my IT guy dropped the ball. So advertising spring camp and fall camp is coming up here just around the corner in October. So uh, if you scroll down below the yellow uh, rectangular bar and the, the icons for all of the uh, premium services that the podcast is listed on, like iTunes and 
Stitcher Radio and Google Play and all that kind of stuff. You scroll down past that, you see the Kuden episode library. But in that yellow rectangle, it says become an elite member with extra benefits, and there's a, a field for subscribing, and be, it's free, right? You just get on the list because you'll be the first ones to know about uh, the upcoming episode. But the other thing that happens, too, is based on some episode things and some questions and all that, uh, uh, Eric and I decide to produce extra little snippet lessons or some follow-up things or whatever, and that only ever goes out to Kuden Podcast subscribers, right? So if you're just on any of my other lists, like my online Ninjutsu training or any of the learn Ninjutsu, what I've got all these uh, email lists based on uh, people's interests and all that kind of stuff, right, and what they, they sign up for, what groups they're in. But um, so but the only people that get the follow-up lessons or add-ons or whatever to anything that we do on this Kuden thing have to be subscribers to to this list because if you're not, you don't get it. We only send it to that list. And my Platinum Plus uh, long-distance training students. That's it, right? So uh, do that, and then you can send it to that. That being said, again, I'm, I'm rushing through here because they're about to boot us off the system. Uh, you can send an email. Right? If you have any questions or comments, my long distance online and platinum guys and all that, you have that, that secret student-only Gmail address. You can just send it to that. Everybody else, you're going to send it to Warrior C. Please spell the word warrior right. If you want to be it, be a good idea. Uh, but I'll do it once. W-A-R-R-I-O-R -R -R and the letter C, all one string, at warrior-concepts with an S, dash online.com. So warrior C at warrior dash concepts dash online.com. All right. That's it. I really do want to make sure that the, the recording doesn't get caught off. So I'm going to have to close this off for the day. If you have any other questions or uh, training topics or whatever, send them in that direction. We'll get them. If you have further questions about this, uh, about these lessons or anything I discussed, send them to the warrior C uh, address and I will get back to you personally within the next 24 to 48 hours. It's a weekend coming up, though, so it might take 72, depending on how uh, uh, when, when I get it today, because I have classes starting here uh, really soon, okay? So uh, that's it. I really appreciate everybody uh, coming, uh, you know, getting, jumping on and, and uh, you know, following what we're doing, and I uh, hope to talk to you again soon. And so let's, that's it. I'm going to wrap this up, and I'll talk to you again on the next episode of Houdin. Thank you for listening to KUDEN, the podcast for self-defense and martial arts news, interviews, techniques, and history. For more information on upcoming martial arts seminars, camps, and classes with Sheehan Miller, or to submit a question or discussion topic to the show, call 570-884-1118 or visit warrior-concepts-online.com.